Hey everyone, welcome to Overlake Christian Church. We're so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we'll join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. And we would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. Throughout the year, we'll be promoting events that enable you to connect with your parish and connecting groups, as well as connecting to serve in your community. first time with us today, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after service. There you'll find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve. If you need any information about any of these various ministries, from Kidtown Children's Ministry to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on the connection card in your handout, and we'll make sure to get you all the information that you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe church isn't a building to gather in on a Sunday, but that it's a family where we can come together, both here in our building and out in the community. We hope that you have a great time at service this morning.
a beautiful truth to praise the Lord together by declaring that we are who he says that we are. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Overlake, I love you. It's wonderful to be with you today. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. Could you high five like three people before you sit down? Go ahead. Just quick high fives all around. That's right. Well done. Well done. Excellent work. Thank you. <laughs> some of you, yeah, some of you are very enthusiastic. I appreciate that. Uh, you might want to grab your notes out of your handout. We are beginning Easter week, and, and it's just so beautiful. By the way, I, I want to tell you that it was an amazing thing in first service. We got to baptize a bunch of people, and, and that song about we are who he says we are, as, as our brothers and sisters are going under the waters of baptism, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing, and such a great way to start Easter week. So here we are at the beginning of Easter week. Today is what is traditionally known as Palm Sunday on Friday. Friday, we'll have a Good Friday worship experience at 7 o'clock, and then on Sunday morning, we'll celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that'll be a powerful experience. I do want to just ask you right now, kind of, who is it that you're going to bring? Because it's a beautiful opportunity to bring somebody that you love, someone that you care about, um, who is it that you want to have sitting next to you next Sunday morning? So think about that person. Could be a friend, a family member, an office you know, partner. It could be a you know, neighbor, classmate, any of those things. And, but I want you to picture a face because here's what you need to know. Jesus loves that person you just thought of way more than you do. So you got to know that you care about that person. That's great. So invite them into a space where they might be able to experience the love and, and the reality of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus. So that's next Sunday. Love to have you uh, join us in that. You can see that today we're talking about Jesus, and specifically today we're talking about the miracles of Jesus. And the miracles actually prepare our hearts for something. The miracles actually get us ready for what it is that we'll celebrate next week in general. And, and so um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into Mark chapter 1, and, and there's, a, there's like example after example we're going to look at today regarding the miracles of Jesus. So let's jump in. Mark chapter 1. Verse 40 through 42, it says it. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. All right, let's unpack this for just a little bit. Leprosy, uh, we, we're not really familiar with what leprosy is. We don't see it. It doesn't sweep through the nation, let's say, like the flu does every year. Uh, the flu, by the way, it's, you know, you get a flu shot. It prevents the flu. No such shot for leprosy. Leprosy mocked any kind of prevention mechanism. It was not a hand sanitizer kind of a thing that we could get rid of. Um, in fact, if you had leprosy, you'd be quarantined, effectively removed from society because people were so afraid that if they touched someone with leprosy, they would get it themselves. It, it attacked the skin cells and, and, and was that one of those things where it destroyed the nerves. And, and so those who were lepers couldn't even feel pain, so they didn't know if they were cut or hurt. So it was a, it was a really a nasty disease. And, and people just didn't touch those with leprosy. They were considered untouchable. So when this man comes to Jesus, you have to see that Jesus does things very intentionally. And so what Jesus does is Jesus comes near. The man says, if you're willing, Jesus is moved with compassion. And, and compassion actually moves him toward the man. And Jesus says, I am willing. And then it says he touched the man. And no one would do that. No one would touch the leper for fear that they would become unclean as well. But Jesus touched the leper knowing that his cleanness would infect the leper. And he was a leper no more. He was healed incredibly. And so I want you to see that there are some beautiful truths and preponderance to the miraculous healing that we see in the life of Jesus. And here it is, the first fill-in. Everyone is broken and in need of healing. Every single person, every one of us, every one on the planet is broken and in need of healing. And this is certainly true in a land like ours where healthcare is a hot topic. 
We are spending more money than ever on healthcare products. We recognize that we live in a fallen world and we see that our bodies are falling apart as well. And, and we just know that. You know, I, I caught the cold this week. Anybody catch the cold this week? Or, or maybe this winter. Anybody get the cold this winter? Oh yeah, so many of us. Thank you. It's probably your cold I caught. But I, it hit me hard this week, and it actually, it was, I, was, I was feeling so like down and just weak, and, and it made me think of a time a few years ago when I got the flu, and I, that really knocked me on my keister. I, I mean, I, it was like a flu that just was a jackhammer flu. It just, it just knocked me down. And I, I remember trying to preach. I was propped up here trying to preach two services with the flu. I was literally like suspended in front of you on Red Bull and Dayquil, just like this concoction. And uh, I remember I, I, I finished the second service and I went home and I slept for 20 hours straight after that. Just totally knocked me out. But I, I, I say that to recognize like, I know that some of you are dealing with things way more significant than just a cold or a flu. Things that are not at all as temporary, that are not at all as lighthearted. You're, you're dealing with serious physical realities and, and a healing. The, the idea of Jesus healing you, it's, it's, it's such a powerful concept. It draws our hearts so incredibly. But I want you to understand it's not simply the body that we long to be healed. It's, it's our souls as well, right? That there's a, there's a healing inside of the brokenness here that we long for. And we don't even have to look out at culture. I mean, we can see it in the headlines every single day that, that hearts are broken and that souls are hurting. And I mean, we, we don't have to like look out and see. Something is definitely wrong, you know. You can read about the latest politician falling in some kind of a sin. Or you can read about a celebrity parent, you know, paying for a, a child to get into a certain school. Like there are all kinds of examples around you could look at. You don't have to. All you have to do is look in the mirror. And you see that, oh... I'm prone to all that stuff too. That I'm prone to prioritize my needs above those around me. I'm, I'm prone to throw a pity party every once in a while. Sometimes a world-class pity party, right? That there are times when I recognize that if somebody treats me ungraciously, I get all huffy about it. Like, what? I'm kind of a big deal. Like, do you not, you know? And, and just that idea of, of being way more selfish than I ever tend to care to admit to myself and and I say all this and some of you are judging me and that's your sin right there and um, but I have a feeling that we're all kind of in the same boat that, that that's exactly the human condition and so when Jesus comes he comes in order to meet us in our needs see the Bible confirms this thought it says in Romans six twenty three, everyone has sinned we all fall short of God's glorious standard but I want to tell you that not only is this depressing sort of news, by the way, I've been in ministry for 28 years, no one has ever tried to argue that this isn't true, right? No one has ever come to me and said, I need to, I need to speak with you, Pastor, about this verse that you've talked about, because no, it's not true in my life. I'm perfect, you know? Like, no one has ever done that because we know inherently that this is true. But I want to be really, really clear. This isn't the story. This is only the setting that the story takes place in. See, this is the reality that we enter into, and yet the story is that Jesus came as the great physician. That's the next fill-in on your outline, that Jesus has come as the great physician to heal us, both spiritually and physically. His detractors would run him down, and they would say, look... Look at Jesus is hanging out with notorious sinners. He's hanging out with tax collectors. <laughs> tax day, by the way, tomorrow, just so you know. Jesus would actually hang out with them. Just, it was FYI. But look what it says in Jesus' response in Mark 2, 17. It says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. In other words, Jesus knew exactly why he came. He came as the great physician. His ministry is marked by the miracle of healing. 
He healed people with leprosy. He healed people with blindness. He restored mobility to those who didn't have the ability to walk. He healed a man who had a hand that was born shriveled. He opened the ears of those who couldn't hear. He healed the hunger of the 5,000. He healed the spiritual loneliness of the Samaritan woman. He healed with wholeness those who were possessed by demons. He healed those who had never known love. By loving them like no one else ever had, roughly one-third of the ministry of Jesus Christ was the ministry of healing. In fact, I want to encourage you, this week would be a great time to do it. Flip through the Gospel of Mark. Mark is a really short gospel. It's written in a very streamlined manner, and it just goes to miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus performs. And And which brings us to what it all means. If you're filling in the blanks, the next one is Jesus' miracles are a glimpse of heaven crashing into earth. Heaven invading earth. Every single miracle we see is a glimpse of eternity. The next passage is uh, when Jesus is casting a demon out of a man. It says, Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion, then came out of him. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. You see, here we get an example of Jesus freeing someone from spiritual bondage, from demonic possession or oppression, and And it's freedom and spiritual holiness and cleanliness that is to be unveiled, right? That that's kind of a glimpse of what eternity will be like. His miracles always speak of the good things yet to come. Friends, one day the natural law will be superseded by a supernatural order. One day every hunger will be satisfied. One day all the dead will be raised. One day every single instance of brokenness will be healed. One day every demon will be cast down. One day. And on that day, we will see that the miracles of Jesus were just a foretaste of things to come. Miracles are that true glimpse behind the cloudy veil of what we know as reality. And the future is far greater than our greatest imaginations can conceive one day that we will see the crystal clear enraptured with Jesus in eternal bliss that's what heaven crashing into earth means revelation gives us just a glimpse of that in 21 verse 4 it says he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever well friends that is then and this is now. And so when I say a glimpse of heaven, that's, I, I want you to know that's what we get now. Because not all diseases are healed today. And we just recognize and confess that there is heartbreak. And, and there are things that aren't made right today. So with Jesus, what you see with him is you see glimpses. We get snapshots. Jesus' miracles, by the way, jump us right to the end of the story. You know, C.S. Lewis, he writes many books, and and I really appreciate the way God has used C.S. Lewis to inform and to to help, uh, you know, kind of paint a a broader picture of things. But he wrote a book once called Miracles. And in the book of Miracles, what C.S. Lewis argues is that every miracle of Jesus just transports us to the very end. Because in heaven, there's going to be all of this beauty, and it'll be all healing, and everything will be whole and wonderful. And But what Jesus does is he just skips us there like in a moment. That's what all of his miracles are. And to illustrate it, he uses the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And this this is what Lewis says. Lewis says that in reality, every single bottle of wine always starts out as water. Starts out as rain that falls from the heavens. And that's absorbed up into the roots of the vine. And then that water, it, it moves into uh, the grape and it's, and it's sweetened as the grape ripens. And then that same water, when the grape is crushed, it kind of gathers together and there's all these sugars and there's fermentation. And, and what C.S. Lewis says is every single bottle of wine that has ever been produced always starts out as water. And what Jesus does is he just skips to the end. 
right? He just jumps right to the very end. And, and it's a beautiful picture, a snapshot of what it is that Jesus, in all of his miracles, is doing. Because every miracle is a glimpse of what eternity will be like. The, the glimpse of fulfillment, the glimpse of potential actualized, of glory manifest, the end invading the meantime of heaven crashing into earth. And if you're filling in the blanks, the next one's very similar. It's, it's Jesus' miracles are a taste of God's glory in the here and now. It's God's glory made present to us in the here and the now. Mark 2, 11 and 12, it's another miracle. It says, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his man and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. See, what I want you to know is this miracle produced two things, actually. It produced a man being made whole and it produced a crowd praising God. Isn't that beautiful? A man being made whole and a crowd praising and glorifying God. This week I was thinking of a time when my kids were young. My daughter was seven. My son was five. We had, we had not brought our youngest into the home yet. And, and it happened to be one of those mornings where my wife and I were getting the kids ready for school. We're all in the kitchen. And my wife Jody and I were like humming. And then we started to sing a, a, a praise song that we had just learned at church that weekend. And some of you are picturing the Von Trapp family. And let me assure you, it's the opposite end of that spectrum. More like forest animals dying horribly, right? So my children were uh, accustomed to this. So they were not listening for the tune or the melody. They were not listening for quality. That's not where they were. They were simply listening to the words, the lyrics that we were singing. And the lyrics that we were singing together went something like this. That if we do not praise, the rocks would cry out. And my five-year-old son, Caleb, goes... He interrupts, is that true? I, I said, what, buddy? He said, that, that, that you just sang, if, if that we don't praise, the rocks would cry out. And I said, well, yeah, buddy, that's what Jesus said. He goes, stop singing. And he runs to the window, and he looks out the window, and he's looking at the rocks in the garden, because he just wants to see them start singing, you know? He wants to see those rock mouths open, and, and praise coming out, and that's the faith of a child. It's so beautiful. But it transports us to today, Palm Sunday. And you re remember that scene when Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem. And, and the road is just lined with people. And they're laying their cloaks down and they're laying their coats down. And the palm branches are being laid. And, and they're all singing and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and it was such a beautiful thing. And it was to herald the incoming Messiah, the anointed one of God. And, and of course, the Pharisees were there and they were you know, trying to shut it all down. And the scribes and the religious leaders, I call those people the pucker patrol. They just were trying to shut down all the joy that was happening. And they said, Jesus, tell them to stop. Tell them to stop saying this. This is tantamount to blasphemy what they're doing, praising you. Just tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that if they didn't sing praise, the very rocks themselves would cry out. And it just makes me think of what Jesus was talking about is that, that all of creation, that, that built into the very fabric of what we know of as reality is, is knit together in such a way to bring glory and honor and praise to the creator, right? And so you're talking about rocks and mountains and trees and streams and dove and deer and gazelles and galaxies, everything working together to glorify and to, to, to magnify and, and to call out the majesty of their creator, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with this. There's a new show. I think it's on Netflix or something. It's, it's one of those nature shows. And it's by the same people who did Planet Earth. And it's, it's hosted by David Attenborough, who I, I've never met him. But man, does he sound awesome. Right? This English accent. And, 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 and everything about the show just kind of draws me in. Because it'll show things, you know, like a hummingbird flying in slow motion. It'll show the vibrant colors of, uh, of these beautiful birds or, or insects or, you know, just the motion of maybe a migration of birds as they, as they cross continents together. 
And it just makes me think that all of creation is knit together in such a way as to magnify and glorify the Lord of the universe. And I want you to understand that that's what you're made for and I'm made for as well. We're a part of that beautiful thing and we all work together to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And, And what you need to see is that miracles are simply one more aspect, a very intense and specific way to bring God glory in the here and now. They reveal how powerful and majestic and glorious he is. So keep this in mind that that all of God's creation and all of God's beauty and all of God's miracles speak to God's greatness. And that's why the psalmist, Psalm 145 says this, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. You might want to circle those things, time together. The psalmist ties those two things together. Glorious splendor, wonderful miracles, your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. So God's glorious splendor, his wonderful miracles, they're all tied together with bringing his glory in the here and the now. This next truth that we see in miracles is that Jesus' miracles are a sign of authority, that he is who he said he is, that he, he actually was who he said he was, that he and the Father are one. And if you think about throughout history, the way in which mere mortals have grabbed onto or displayed authority, they're pretty simple. They Either through wealth or through you know, the, the clothes that they wore, the, the, the robes of sort of majesty or royalty, to last names, you got the same last name as the king, you know, so that's, that's power there. To addresses, you know, if you've got an address, it's, uh, oh, that's the White House address. You know, like there's, there's power and authority comes through all of these vehicles. But, you know, Jesus, he didn't have those at his disposal. Right? He, 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 was, he was the poor son of Joseph the carpenter. He, he didn't have clothing. He didn't, he didn't have wealth. He, he didn't have like a, an address. He didn't have an address, right? He, he was a three-year itinerant preacher. So he didn't have those things to display his authority. But I want you to understand that the miracles that he performed were how he built his resume. You need to understand that the miracles served as the signet ring of the one true king. In essence, what Jesus was saying is, look, you can believe what I'm teaching you because you can see who I am. I'm the one who can still the wind. I'm the one who can calm the sea. I I am the bread of life who can feed the thousands. I am the physician among you who heals. It just so happens, Jesus says, that putting your crazy trust in me is the sanest thing you'll ever do. And he would give a sign of supernatural reality. You might think back to at the very beginning of his ministry, when Jesus was just beginning his earthly ministry, he went to a synagogue and he unscrolled some of the prophet Isaiah and he began to read to those who were there. He, he was reading a passage about the Messiah coming with good news for the poor, sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, healing of body and soul, that these are the signs of the authority that the Messiah would have. Now fast forward And the disciples of John the baptizer are coming to Jesus. And and they're a little bit despondent because the guy they follow, John the baptizer, he's been thrown in jail. And in fact, he gets beheaded by Herod. And and that's kind of a sad story. So they come to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, like we got to know, are are you the Messiah? You got to tell us this. And Jesus answers them. He says in Luke 7, 22, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. And this is what he says, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and then the good news is being preached to the poor. What's he saying here? He's saying that what the prophet Isaiah talked about, that would be the sign of the authority of the Messiah, you are witnessing. It is present among you through my ministry here. You're seeing the work of Messiah right in front of you unfolding. And, and, and so you need to tell John what it is that you're seeing. By the way, you do need to know as you read through the Gospels that there is this comment that people make after they hear Jesus speak. 
He'll present something to them. He'll teach the crowds. And then the people will be amazed and they'll turn to one another and they'll say something like this. We've never heard someone speak with this kind of authority. You see, there was authority that was conferred to Jesus from his father. The ability to do these miracles and to teach powerfully. And there are some implications for us today. And so I'd love for us to kind of turn our minds to what that means for us today. Yes, Jesus did miracles 2,000 years ago. Here's what it means today. We're invited to participate in his miracles. We are invited to participate in his miracles today. Through the authority of Jesus Christ, through bringing God glory in the here and now, through inviting heaven to invade earth. And as you read the scriptures, friends, you cannot just read the miracles without being gently reminded that they're not just one-time events that Jesus performed as he sandaled his way through Israel. That they're simultaneously repeat performances available to those who follow him. Jesus still opens the eyes of the spiritually blind and the physically blind. Jesus still satisfies those who hunger and thirst physically as well as spiritually. Jesus still calms storms. See, for eyes that can see them, miracles of God's goodness and power are all around us all the time. And the authority and the glory of heaven crashing into earth, it's a part of what Jesus passes on to his followers. Like if you read the book of Acts, which is about the birth of the church and it's about what his disciples did and the ministry that his disciples had as well as the apostle Paul, what you'll see is every bit of the miraculous power and authority that Jesus was working in his earthly ministry was now conferred to his followers through the power of God's Holy Spirit. And I just wanna say to you friends that we are invited to participate in that. We are invited to be a part of God's miraculous intervention into the order of things today. So I want to say, how do we do this? Well, the first thing we need to do is recognize that we are invited to pray for one another, to lay hands on and pray for one another. And somewhere in your notes, you need to write this prayer as a first response, not a last resort. Prayer is a first response, not a last resort. The Lord himself moves powerfully through the prayers of his people. In one of my very first ministries, this would go back 28 years ago, I was a college pastor at at this small Christian church in Mission Viejo, California. One of the things we did at the end of every meeting close, we would take prayer requests down and we would just jot those prayers down in a prayer journal. It actually was part of how I began to, to get in the habit of journaling my prayers. It was through that ministry. So we'd write down prayer requests, and then I had another leader that was working with me. And so once a month or so, that leader would go through and just highlight every prayer request that God had answered. Every problem that God had solved, every sickness that God had healed, just kind of went through and highlighted when those prayers were answered and then turned to praise. And then once a year, what we'd do is we would flip through that journal together as a ministry. And we would see page after page after page of highlighted answered prayers. That the Lord would just answer prayer after prayer after prayer. And just miraculous, you know, things, oh, that's a medical miracle. It's not a medical miracle. It's just a miracle that God uses his power to bring healing and wholeness to his people. So I encourage you, friends, that you understand that his spirit is still moving and guiding and leading and healing. I do, I do want to let you know, friends, that there is more going on than simply making people comfortable now. There was more going on in Jesus' ministry, and there's more, more going on through his spirit today. See, Jesus had a bigger mission than just making our bodies better for a little while. What he was doing is making his kingdom come. He was inaugurating his reign and his rule, manifesting kingdom values and the wholeness of his kingdom in the here and now. And so friends, I I, I wanna say this is our starting point. This is what we want. We want his rule and reign in our lives now. And so we recognize this last truth that we are invited to receive the miracle of Jesus' touch. We're invited to receive the miracle of his touch in our lives today. I was reading through Psalm 145 and this verse just jumped out at me. It says, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers his compassion on all his creation. 
God is a good God. And his compassion is for all of his creation. And, 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 and there, there are parts of me that are broken and there are parts of you that are broken. And, and, and we need the healing touch of Jesus today. And we're invited to receive that touch. So I want to just talk real quickly about how it is that we position ourselves best in order to receive the touch of Jesus. So the first thing here is that we just simply ask Jesus to forgive us. Ask Jesus to forgive us. And the Bible is clear in so many places that this is actually a more fundamental starting place to our healing. The forgiveness is what Jesus is initially interested in. And so when we have sin, when, when we recognize our sin, we confess our sin to him, and then he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But this is where it starts. So as you look through the scriptures and you read about the miracles of Jesus, here's what you'll see, that often what he'll do is start by forgiving the sins of the person that he's going to heal. And then as a second step, he will heal them physically. This is always primary. Friends, this is the major motivation and purpose of Christ coming to earth in the first place. The crucifixion and the resurrection that we're going to celebrate this week, this is the work of the cross, the forgiveness of sins. And so this is where it starts when, when uh, in Mark 2, 5, it says, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my, sin, or my child, your sins are forgiven. While he's still paralyzed, Jesus forgives him. And then following the forgiveness is when he's healed. The second thing is we need to ask Jesus for the faith to follow him. Ask Jesus for the faith to follow him. Mark 2.14, Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. This is the initial invitation of Christ, that we would follow him, that we would let him be our leader and our guide and, and call the shots in our lives. Psalm 145.18 says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. And so we call on him in faith. We say, Jesus, we want to follow you. We ask for the cleansing of our sins. We want to follow you in our lives. And then the third here is that we commit to a lifestyle of drawing close to him. And at Overlake, we talk about there are a wide variety of disciplines and habits we can build in our life to pursue this life through prayer, through praise, through the reading of scripture, through the plugging in to a group after Easter. Uh, we've got rooted, we've got transformed, there are all kinds of ways that we can embrace about this. But if you're a mature believer here, if, you're, if you've been following Jesus for some time now, here's my challenge to you. I want to ask you to stretch yourself. I want to ask you to try some kind of a, a pathway that you haven't tried yet in order to draw, draw close to Jesus Christ. In other words, my, my challenge to those who are already following Jesus is what would it take for you to move one step closer in relationship with Jesus in your own faith journey? Go ahead and embrace that. Try to lean in and listen to what it is that God is calling you to do. What step is he calling you to take? But be proactive in this, and as you draw close in nearness to him, he is drawing close to you. I, I just want to end our time together by saying, I believe that is the greatest miracle there is. It's the miracle of Emmanuel. It's the miracle of Almighty God drawing close to us and walking with us no matter what it is that we're going through. Whatever trial we're facing, whatever challenge we're dealing with, whatever physical infirmity that we're frustrated by, that God himself is present with us, walking with us. And so that's why we want to lean here. We want to ask Jesus, would you just come and be with us and, and help us, encourage us, strengthen us, forgive us and love us as we walk through these days. So as I close, I want to close with Mark chapter one, exactly where we started. This man who's a leper comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus is moved with compassion. And his compassion moves him near. And he touches this man and he says, I am willing, be clean. So Overlake, today I just declare to you that Jesus is moved with compassion. That today Jesus is moved with compassion toward you. That today Jesus declares that he is willing to touch you and heal you. Today Jesus is willing to forgive you and cleanse you. Jesus is willing to make you whole.
Don't you need the touch of Jesus today? Raise your hand if you need the touch of Jesus in your life today. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, God bless you. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, and then in humble faith, let us ask him to touch us right now. Lord Jesus, we know that your heart is a heart filled with compassion. And we know that you are a risen and a willing Lord to move toward us and to touch us and to heal us. We know you're willing to move toward us and to touch us and to forgive us and cleanse us. We know that you're willing to move toward us and to simply be present with us as we walk through whatever road, whatever challenge, whatever trial we're facing. And so Jesus, we just ask that you would touch us and that you would be near us and that you'd be present with us. We ask this humbly and we ask this in faith. We know, Lord Jesus, that every time you bring a miracle of transformation, every time you bring a miracle of healing, it's a glimpse of heaven and we long for that. We anticipate it in the name of Jesus Christ. And yet we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would let heaven crash into earth in our lives, in our bodies, and in our relationships. We know you're here. We know you're listening to our prayer. We're so thankful, so thankful for your ministry of healing. We pray all this in your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, I want to invite you, if you need more prayer, and especially those of you who raised your hands today, we have an, a prayer alcove on the second floor, and after the service is over, I just invite you to come and, and let, let, let some of our prayer warriors meet with you and hear your need. Let, let them lay hands on you and lift you up to Jesus to be touched by him, okay? We're gonna continue to worship Jesus together, and I wanna invite you to grab these connection cards that were in your handout. And, uh, and there's room on the back to write down prayer requests. So again, I know there are many prayer requests. We have people praying for them every week. Go ahead and take a moment and jot those requests down. And then if you made a spiritual decision today, maybe you decided to trust Jesus for the first time, or you made a recommitment of your faith to him, go ahead and check those boxes. We celebrate that. And we just want to encourage you and get you any resources you might need. Fill out any updated information. You could drop these in the buckets as they're passed along with any tithes, gifts, or offerings. And, and I just want to say, if you're here today for the very first time, welcome. We're really glad you're with us. You can hold on to your card, and on your way out, you'll see a connection center there in the lobby, and you can turn that card in. We'll give you a gift. It's just our way of saying thank you so much for being with us today. Okay? Ushers, why don't you come, and let's continue to worship Jesus together.
giants fall, dead men rise, sickness heal at the mention of you. Sinners chains breaking free, miracles still happening. Waters part, I see mountains move. Let's declare no other. to be in the Word, to be challenged. Uh, I would just love to send us off with a blessing. Um, before we go, just want to mention Holy Week is upon us. It's ahead of us. And so um, just a couple quick reminders. The info's in your handout as you're taking that with you. But just be reminded that Good Friday is, is coming up. 7 p.m. will be in here. And really creating a, a, a real sacred and meaningful space to remember uh, the, the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus. And so... Um, so remember that. And then as you're making plans for Easter Sunday, uh, do be praying and thinking about who you might uh, bring along with you and uh, be a, to be a part of the celebration of, of Jesus' resurrection. It's just such an amazing time to celebrate together as a church family. So, so bring, bring some neighbors and coworkers and friends with you. Uh, and as you're leaving today, you could actually grab uh, some cards. You'll see uh, invite cards that are um, on tables out there. Grab a few of those and, and share those with, with uh, folks that, that you'd like to bring along. Why don't we bow our heads and receive these words? And now may you go with eyes to see miracles and may you catch glimpses of the coming kingdom in the here and now. 
May hope for God's new creation emerge for you each day through reminders that he is able to make good on his promises today and forever. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, and we'll see you on Friday.